Welcome to the 4A Music Podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Alexandria. I'm Amy. On this week's pod, relabeling our tools as toys, celebrating 100 years of Thad Jones, Coldplay's secret sustainability sauce, new music, and more. First off, what's new? What's on your mind? Who, me? Yeah, Amy. <laughs> okay. <You. laughs> um, on Friday, I went to um, Woodridge, New Jersey to hear my friend Chloe Borthwick do a single release show at this recording studio called um, Big and Tall Recording Studios. I hope, hopefully I got that all right, but um, it was really cool. It was like a nice vibe. They had all these nice lights in there. Um, and it, I just am always inspired when people kind of set up their own scene, you know, Yeah. and it schooled me with how to get to New Jersey because it took up a lot of mental space. I was like, I do not want to go because I just haven't done the thing many times and so it was good for me I like took the bus and the subway on the way back and going there I took the train like the New Jersey transit line yeah so it was just cool it inspired me she was awesome it was really loud (laughs) which is always kind of like something I um think about but music was awesome and I thought I think it's just like cool when people do release shows and just make their own thing and people pulled up yeah getting anywhere when you're like living in manhattan is kind of like a little bit of a production anywhere that's like not whatever side of manhattan you live on like east or west side it's like getting somewhere else yes automatic but the yeah but the um it takes up so much space in my brain totally but like talking about the making your own scene thing that reminds me of the this interview i heard with grimes have you have you the two of you listened to grimes at all she was she was maybe kind of famous not for non not music people because she was married to Elon Musk for a while. They have like a baby together, but she's she's like a Canadian born uh, singer songwriter music producer, and like she talked about like making a scene like for them. I don't remember if she's from Montreal or wherever, but the, it's, we're in Canada. But like, but she was like, yeah, we just like found this basement and we like started this club basically down there where like all our friends would just make music and we dance. Like, love no one would i couldn't get my music played anywhere and we just like so we just made our own place i love that does goals it's genius i saw i saw it's um the who's the actor that jason alexander does he play george costanza yeah he i saw a video of him talking about making your own scene as an actor like basically make your own stuff and then hopefully an opportunity will come along where like someone will present something that you couldn't do yourself but he i dropped my phone he was saying uh just that that's like much more of a thing now yeah it's kind of empowering and there are so many avenues to get to that situation now like my friends they have funding to do like a com like a comedy show cool and they do like different they have one every month and they have like a music headliner and they have like a bar if you buy a ticket you get one drink Ooh. It's a nice vibe. 
and they just have they for the three curators do it or producers do it and then they have like three others they invite three other comics and it's a vibe yes that's Creating very your own cool space to do your own stuff if no one's gonna bet on you you gotta bet on you and then people find out about it yeah exactly yeah. especially with free drinks involved not free but you know tickets. there were free drinks at this place though <laughs> oh <laughs> Which we I guess is drinks. an expense. We, but. we need free drinks for like <laughs> listening to the podcast. Like if you listen to the podcast, like I'll yeah. sit for a beer or something. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Make your own scene. My, uh, my thing I was thinking about this week, you know, I'm always thinking about a lot of nerdy stuff and this week was no different. There's been a lot of like AI, <laughs> these big language, large language model, like AI chatbot kind of things like hap like kind of popping off this week. There was, a Google one and a Microsoft one. And then um, the one that I played around with this last week was, is written, is written by, um, it was the, the program comes from open AI, the, this organization. And that did um, like Dolly, which was like the, the image generator kind of a thing. And so there was chat GPT three and oh, I didn't realize that was the same. Yeah. And now chat GPT four just kind of came out. And so, I wasn't using chat GPT four, but that means that chat, the earlier version of chat GPT is like more accessible now. So like you, there was a waiting list and now it's like much easier to get on. So I was on that and just messing around. I messed around with the Google one too, but it was, um, it was really interesting. Like, of course, like being like a, whatever, like a narcissist or something, like the fourth thing I tried to ask it to do was I was like, write a bio for Charlie Christensen. And it, yes. wrote, it wrote me like a two paragraph bio that was like really good. Like it had really, real, it had like real stuff that I had done. It said I was like Minnesota based because it was like, it probably was pulling from something yeah. from when I was in Minnesota, but it was like, but, um, it was like describing my music and I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of would describe my music that way. But, <laughs> but I also wonder if it's like a, a horoscope where like you see your horoscope and you're like, yeah, that's totally how I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like yes. uh, yeah. you kind of just make it work in your brain. But the, um, but yeah, that was kind of interesting. And I just I like um, uh, we've talked about th there's a lot of scary things. There's a lot of cool things about it, but it's like, that was kind of fun. Cause I hate writing bio. people will be like, can you give me like a one paragraph bio or something? It's brutal. I just want to kill myself. So it's like, <laughs> I was like, what is the most annoying thing I have to do? Like, will this do this for me? And it was like, yeah, it did. Um, so it was kind of cool. Wow. Have, have either of you used any of these like chatbot kind of thing besides for like c customer service or something? <laughs> I have not, but, I went to like a gathering. It, w it was supposed to be a party, but this was a gathering at MIT. <laughs> and um, I think ChatGPT had just dropped or something. And they were having so much fun with this thing. And um, it really gets to know you and like God. what, how to answer your questions in, in a way that you want it to be answered or like the, like if you say who's the greatest musician alive and like they know that you love i don't know like did i say composer or musician musician musician, musician. alive and then you can be like oh yeah kermit the frog like that's the <laughs> that's the answer you wanted i'm giving you kermit the frog oh my i don't know it's just and then there's a new york times article about this person like trying to I forgot, dang it i shouldn't have said that but <laughs> the GPT had learned it so well and the person was trying to backtrack and the GPT was like no like 
oh, it tried to get the GBT to fall in love with them. And then like oh, the GBT no. fall, fell in love. And it's like, no, I need you to fall out of love. I don't know. Just go to New York <laughs> Times type in chat GBT love. Yeah, it was, it was trying to. That's, that trying, scares me. It was like trying to get this person to like leave their wife or something and like leave your wife. <laughs> love with me. It was like, yeah. It was kind oh, of, yeah. I didn't see that. But I did also go to a hang like here in the city and my friend's friend it was one of those hangs where you like meet your friend's friends so fun but they were doing it and i at first when it was brought up i was all like raw like say how much i hate it but it was kind of fun because this <laughs> this friend was like write us a sexy wild story about and then would like name everybody and like throw in a job and throw in whatever and it it was like it was bad enough where it was still funny. Like it wasn't creepy to me, which I was kind of relieved about because I always make it creepy in my head, you know? So that was like kind of fun to see. Okay. It's like kind of silly. Like it's just making a, it's just generating something fun and fresh, but I still am lukewarm about it, but it was fun, I guess, to listen to the stories. Yeah. It was like, you know, ad, ad lib, um, mad lib or something. That's like, sounds like it was like a mad. Totally. Yeah. You know. Yes. Um, it's that vibe completely. Yeah. I also asked it to like write lyrics in the style of somebody, you know, about something. And I think that the lyrics kind of sucked. So that was okay. I was actually kind of like pleased. I was kind of pleased that the lyrics were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Thank you. I'm fine with this me. still. Yeah. Um, Alex, what, what else, uh, Alexandria, what's that? What else is on your mind this week? Like Amy, I also went to New Jersey, New Jersey. I went to Madison, New Jersey. And my friend was playing at, Madison Arts Alliance Center, something like that. And um, he his name is Alex Sorenzi, and he was presenting a suite that he wrote based on um, Claude Monet's. It's Monet, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Water lilies. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and it was actually like great. It's a it was a septet, and he had like um, the projection of the the these. Paintings are huge. Like, oh my god, they're magnanimous. If you go to Paris, like the whole um, um, premise behind them is that these soldiers that fought in World War One could come to the museum or come to this place and feel peace. Um, mm -hmm. And so they're these huge, like it's this huge immersive thing. So he kind of wrote music based on all of these paintings. It's eight tunes in the suite, and I don't know, it was so beautiful and um. It was interesting to see how he interpreted some of the images that were reoccurring themes throughout the the paintings, and also to like I don't know. I feel like a composer is pushed in a different way whenever they're met with having to deal with another artist's interpretation of what they were already trying to interpret. So like it's yeah, Claude Monet's interpretation of peace, and then but then. Alex Lorenzi's interpretation of water lilies. I don't know. That's interesting. So I, I don't know. It, it, it took me a lot of places, both like musically and like conceptually how one goes about interpretation and how to um, translate that compositionally. So I very much enjoyed it. It was great. That's cool. Do you know if it's going to be released if that project is being like recorded or released or. I think right now, like 
he's just trying to get it into a space that it deserves. Like it can't be really performed in like a typical jazz venue. Like you would never go see this at the Vanguard. You'll probably more likely see this in like an art gallery or like mm. some type of immersive experience, like where you, there's like a projector where you can like really experience it. So I don't know if he's like maybe probably recorded in the future, but I think right now just like getting it into the community and getting it into a space where they can really experience as like the musicians of the project to really experience it coming in together mm. in the way it sees fit. That's how I feel, I think. I, I was yeah. in, uh, I, think, I imagine. Oh, sorry. I, I was in, uh, I was in Pennsylvania this, this last weekend. That's almost, that's kind of almost New Jersey. It's close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Super close. It was also my like real first time in New Jersey. Oh, so I'd never been. I always thought New Jersey was like this ugly place <laughs> with like, you know, that smelled like dirt, you know, <laughs> kind of like New York City, like maybe a worse New York City. But it was actually beautiful. And I was like, dang, this like has Hallmark vibes. So I kind of enjoyed that part of it. And just I just walked around. They had little shops. OK, let's happen to this week's newsletter. Okay, our first A this week. Can we get closer to play if we relabel our toys, our tools as toys? <laughs> <laughs> Can we relabel our toys? <laughs> things happen? We don't know. Um, so uh, someone that I kind of mention a lot is uh, Austin Cleon. He wrote um, uh, Steal Like an Artist, Show Your Work, those books, and he has a great blog. Uh, but a blog post a few weeks back, he wrote, uh, titled books as toys got me thinking about this kind of like idea of like tools versus toys. And like, um, when you're a little kid, it's like you have like a little wooden hammer and you're like, this is my toy. And I'm like pretending to like make stuff or whatever. Like you have the little kitchen and you're like pretending to like make food in the little toy kitchen or whatever. And, um, and then like eventually that those things that are our toys become tools and the vibe of like, of just interacting with those things maybe can get a little bit more stressful or like start to feel a little different. And, mm -hmm. and like, I was thinking about this in terms of musical instruments, obviously, like when I first got my, like a key, a little keyboard and it had like a little Casio keyboard, it had little drum pads on it and it mm -hmm. like had all these little different sounds and stuff. And it was just like, it was such an exciting little, like such an exciting toy, like compared to all the other toys I had, um, it just, it, the, it seemed like it had so many more possibilities. Like it wasn't mm. just like a thing to interact with and like have fun, but it was just kind of like, oh my God, there's like all these different, it just felt like this endless well or something to go to. And I remember having, and one year for Christmas, I got like a drum set because I really ah. This is when I was in high school. And I remember like saying to my friend, I was like, I was like playing the drums or whatever, or playing piano. It's like playing a video game where it feels like a toy or something, but it just feels like I can actually like make something when I'm doing it. Like it feels mm. like it feels like it's it's actually like for something, like not just not just to have fun, but it's also like feels like it's like for something. Like other people listen to stuff I do and they're like, 
that was cool or that was annoying or whatever it is. But <laughs> I've been interacting with the world and and he was just kind of like, I don't know what you, I don't really, I was like, you know what I mean? And he was like, no, I don't really know. What you mean. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I get what you mean, Charlie. Good. <laughs> I assumed maybe you'd get what I mean. <laughs> um, the other quote I'll just pull from this is, uh, he says, Montessori said, play is the work of the child, but play is also the work of the artist. Um, yes. We've talked about this maybe before. I, I probably mm. brought this up before, but just this idea of like, what's the difference between like play and work and when are you playing and when are you working and like the practicing thing versus the playing thing and all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. it feels like we're, it feels like quibbling over semantics, but it, but it does seem to be different in my head when I'm thinking of it being in one mode or the other mode or something. No, yeah. I agree. Same. Isn't there that whole pedagogical approach, like musical play, yeah. where like as children, you're not really like, oh, yeah, let us go to beginning band and play our recorders. Doo, 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 doo. But it's like kids <laughs> running around the classroom, like hitting on not. I mean, there's a more methodical approach, but like the different toys that they have or like being in a circle and you're like singing a skill around the room or like more. It was playing games rather than like, but yeah, like we're doing, we're playing, we're working, we're like playing so we can learn music. I hate that we like kind of lose that when we get to be older. It's like, oh yeah, now I have to go to advanced band and I have to work my instrument <laughs> instead of play my instrument. I have to, yeah. do, 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 you know? I don't yeah. Know. It's interesting. Like I th I've heard people define work as like, oh, the stuff that you wouldn't do unless you were getting paid, you know? And, it, <laughs> and it's like, it's kind of interesting because like people play music to, and not, get paid obviously <laughs> all different in all different ways of that of, of the meaning of what i just said it is all true, but like, um but yeah it's uh yeah it's kind of it's kind of interesting it's like there there are definitely parts of playing music or parts of being a musician or something like that where it's like yeah if someone wasn't paying me for that i don't know that i would do that you know i don't know that i would just like choose to do that at least all the time or something but mm -hmm. Yeah, I th I think what you're describing, Alexandria, is kind of like the Montessori, like m what the Montessori kind of method is, where it's like mm -hmm. less sort of like prescribed to the student and like th they're choosing a little bit more like what they're interacting with, what they're interested in. And yeah, I read this book when I was a music ed major called Free Range Childhood. And it was about this like school where basically like the kids just all like, like went there and like they just really like literally just did whatever they wanted to do and like if they wanted to run i love that dig a hole in the backyard or something they would do that and if they were like wanted to like make a planetarium out of like styrofoam balls or something you know like make a little solar system out of styrofoam balls they like did that and put on a play or whatever so i mean all that's really cool obviously that's very different than like the factory model of yeah. education that a lot of us maybe experience and then you think about how that translates to like higher ed and some of those experiences too that's where it feels like oh now you're an advanced band <laughs> <laughs> take it seriously okay <laughs> but that's interesting even the semantics of you play music i was just thinking about that yeah like it should have this 
um, atmosphere surrounding play. And like we were talking about with Wayne Shorter, keeping this childlike wonder and still maintaining the play in the play music. I play music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I play around with it. I play around with the sounds in the air. (laughs) Yeah, it like implies improvisation too. Not even like in the maybe the jazz sense, quote unquote, but like just unplanned music making, which is also that relates to the Wayne Shorter stuff we were talking about. Yeah, and and speaking of books as toys, uh, <laughs> we'll plug the um, the Four A Music Book Club that we talked about a few weeks ago. The book, the Four A Music Book Club, is on. Um, we're reading Rick Rubin's "The Creative Act: A Way of Being." Some of us have already kind of started a little bit. Um, and we're going to be together on Twitch uh, live, live talking about it. Hopefully, you all join us for that on Sunday, April. 23rd we got some cool stuff in the works for all that but um yeah creative act or a music book club um alexandria what's your what's your a this week my a tell us (laughs) celebrating the centennial of jazz band leader composer and arranger thad jones um I don't know if we've heard, we've probably like we have heard of the Jones family, the infamous Jones family with I think that is the middle child. I think the older brother is Hank Jones, who's a great pianist. And the little brother is Elvin Jones, ah! who is like <laughs> the drummer to end all drummers. Um, dang, the triplet is really fat. Um mm. But so Thad Jones, he was is was a trumpet. He's not alive, y'all. He's dead. Like I'm sorry, he's 100 years old. Um, <laughs> breaking news <laughs> here on the pod. <laughs> but I still think 100 is so young because Bach mm. is like old. You know what I mean? Bach is old. Thad Jones, young. Bach, old. You know what I mean? I'm Anyways, up, what you're putting down. <laughs> um. So he he's most he's like he was a trumpet player, flugelhorn player, but he's most known for like being a badass like composer, arranger, and band leader. Like if you growing up, I would read when I was first starting out in like you know real big band and advanced big band. <laughs> um, <laughs> on alto, sorry, saxophone, and we got a Thad Jones chart, and I said holy guacamole that is a real big band chart oh you know he's like the blueprint for what well now what big bands kind of want to sound like and so they have a famous band called the thad jones Mel- sorry i'm talking a lot thad jones mel lewis orchestra which is now the vanguard jazz orchestra um and so they're touring uh, in europe right now celebrating um thad jones's centennial and so um, this London Jazz News covered some of their stories. Um, and I liked what they had to say about that. And they said, just as Dizzy Gillespie codified, codified, codified bebop language with the big band in the 1940s and 50s, the Dad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra did likewise with post bebop language, including the modal jazz of Col- John Coltrane and the like. Even more importantly, they had an emotional impact on a spiritual level. They changed the game forever. And I mean forever because those sax holies are not to be messed with. (laughs) 
But yeah, if you live in New York or like you ever come here, the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra plays every Monday. And um, I just highly suggest you go out and watch them because it is a time to be had. They have 300 charts in the folders. Are you serious? Wow, I did not know that. A few hours before the hit, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to play number 12, number 47, 145, and, you know, two. Wow. <laughs> and then they, like, have to play them. <laughs> That's probably fun. And, yeah. <laughs> Must. Must. It's like a, if they don't play them, it's like a Running Man scenario. I've, you probably have, neither of you have seen Running Man, but <laughs> it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where it's like there's a game show where, like, <laughs> You have to survive by like fighting to death all these other people. And it's like, if you don't play song 123, then you have to like run away from whatever. <laughs> robot. Good luck. Robot of Thad Jones. My, my, um, of course, my favorite like Thad Jones album is the, there's like the Joe Williams, like presenting Joe Williams and the Thad Jones yeah. Mel Jazz Orchestra. I don't know if either of you have listened to that, but. That's like my Joe Williams album that I end, and I haven't listened to a lot of like their. Um, I haven't listened to a ton of this orchestra that much, but but I've listened to that album like mm. a bajillion times. Um, get out my life, get out my life, woman. There's like all the Joe Williams, <laughs> like the blue singer, like low. Get out my life, woman. Just like that's like the that's like the single. That's the hit single from that song. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, cool. <laughs> oh I, I also realized that this was probably groundbreaking for the time. Oh, Charlie. Oh, it's no. okay. Now let's move on. Oh, I think there's like a pretty decent delay. Charlie, is your internet okay? I don't know. I think there's a pretty decent delay because I just said something and then it took a long time for for that to happen for you, I guess. I think we'll just keep going and we'll just like hope it's okay. 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 Do you want to say what you're going to say? No. Really? Let's move on. Yeah. I was just going to say he never went to school. Oh. And he did fully arrange big band charts. Never That's having important a formal to accreditation to an institution. An institution. And then also like that Jones is this like black uneducated, not uneducated, but you know, man. And Mel Lewis is this like Jewish guy. Hmm. <laughs> Which I in the sixties, seventies, like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that combo. Anyways. <laughs> Amy, what was your what's your A? What do you have for us this week? Well, I TikTok and I have an interesting relationship because <laughs> like sometimes I see this stuff or I hear this stuff on there that is super thought provoking and I love it. And other times it's a deep dark pit. But this week it wasn't a deep dark pit because I saw this video. There's just a clip of Chris Martin of Coldplay speaking with Conan O'Brien. And I believe the question was, is Coldplay a democracy? Like basically are all the choices sort of dispersed among the band, like what's going on? And I loved Chris Martin's answer. He described it as long-winded, but for somebody who is, a musician who's like super interested in this type of thing. It was really nice to hear about. Um, basically, like the stuff that I took away from this was all of the band members are involved 
in different ways. So I'm just going to, I know Coldplay and I know Chris Martin, but I'd like to just say their names because I think it's cool to just shout them out. So Coldplay, if people don't know, is Chris Martin, guitarist Johnny Buckland, bassist Guy Berryman, drummer Will Champion, and creative director Phil Harvey. So Chris Martin was saying how everybody gets sent gifts and he feels that his is songs, like receiving songs and kind of like knowing where the band maybe should go with it. And then every band member has kind of like a, a role. So some of them decide, you know, like, where are we going to play or when should we release stuff? That I think is what he attributed to Phil Harvey, the creative director. Um, so that was cool to hear their process in that way. The other really cool thing to me was the way that they split their publishing royalties. So his stance or their, the way that they do it, um, is that they split publishing royalties no matter what. So they kind of layer a song. He described it as like a, um, a production line. Um, so they kind of like layer in stuff. But what he was saying is like, okay, if the drummer gets the track and is like, yeah, I don't really think drums are going to sound good on this at all. He can be like, I'm not going to track any drums. And he still gets a cut. So to me, it's like, preserves equality and like fairness within the band and it's like kind of i guess motivating i would find it motivating as a musician to stick to my artistry and like what i think sounds good rather than like well like whatever i gotta do it to make like if it's your if it's the way you're making a living i would find that maybe motivating to have that set up so that you can always be making choices that sort of preserve the band's integrity is the way that it's phrased in the newsletter. Anyways, it just got me thinking. Oh, that's amazing because some people can't even get, you know, credit to their own songs that they write. So if you're not, I think that's a beautiful way to allow for democracy. It's like, this mm -hmm. is Coldplay. We are a band. So like, we're in this together. Right. Even though like, you may not be on this track, like, this still says Coldplay. Yeah. And you added to the energy that was in the room. Add it to the creative model that is Coldplay. Mm -hmm. This reminded me of like the Lennon and McCartney thing, like with the mm -hmm. Beatles, where it's like all the songs that are like all the songs, all the Beatles songs, like say Lennon and McCartney, unless it's not them. <laughs> like there's a couple times where it's not them. And if either of them wrote it, like while that band is like around, it's like says Lennon and McCartney. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, yeah, there's like something about that that there's like a team. I saw like a podcast uh, or I listened to a podcast this last week. That was the, they were interviewing um, uh, who are the guys that wrote Goodwill hunting. It's uh, Ben Affleck and um, uh, who's the other one, Ben Affleck and uh, da, da, da. Oh my God, I'm blanking. I've, I've never even He's in the born identity. I'm just stalling. Matt Damon. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And not Damon. Yeah. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. So like they were talking about how like when they were young and like young actors and like working on Goodwill Hunting and all this kind of stuff, they were best friends. They lived in the same apartment and they had the same checking account. 
And so like if one of them got a got a uh like got booked on a job, like did it like, you know, got a role or something where it was in a movie, they would just put that money into that checking account. And then they would wow. do, like, pay rent, go on auditions. Um they That's said they so had like cute, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, I think it's, it's hard. It's hard. I think a lot of us are like pretty careful about a lot of this stuff or like, they feel like, Oh, we want to keep this separate because mm-hmm. someone might take advantage of you or something. But, but yeah, it's like you live together, you die together kind of a thing. It's like if you're on the team. I love it. Um, cool. So, should we hop into new music for this week? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Cool. So our first uh, first thing to check out this week was um, a new project from Chicago composer clarinetist Angel Bat Dawid. Um, there's a new song suite called Requiem for Jazz, and Apple Music said that it feels both radical and differential, primitive and conceptual, roots not as a settled concept, but something alive and ever-changing. Um, I listened to it a little bit this weekend and, and, um, there's a lot going on. I, I like, I keep thinking back to the graph or like the timeline that was that Carnegie hall that put yeah. out of like American, like African American music or something yeah, or m- music in America or whatever that was. And it was like free jazz or something ended in like the end of the seventies. <laughs> and it was like. This is um this is all this is all over the place. Like there's parts of this that are like very operatic. There's like very operatic kind of si- sounding singing in it. Um and then just like a lot of different instrumentation uh things happening. It's like a very beefy sort of like project. There's just like a lot a lot going on. So it's very cool. I I'd never heard of this artist Angel Bat Dawid, so I'm really excited to kind of check them out and it's kind of cool to keep it's I f- I find it that it's like it's it's kind of hard to, it's been challenging for me to kind of keep up with like, who's the, who are like the people, you know, like on the scene, like, what does the scene kind of look like? Like feeling like out of everything, maybe this is the thing I should kind of know the best. And, um, and like when I was in college and grad school and stuff, it was, it seemed, it was just much easier because it was just kind of like, what, what should I listen to? Well, like all the stuff my teachers don't like, like, or, or my teachers don't know about or whatever, like, that's what I need to be listening to, you know? Um, so now it's just kind of like, well, what don't I know about? That's what I should go try to mm. like try to go listen to a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. Um, I recommend you check it out. It's definitely going to be for like a certain mood or like for a certain audience that's maybe a little bit more open-minded. I think this definitely comes, seems to me to come out of this kind of like Chicago avant-garde scene, you know, Chicago, like free kind of scene with the, what is it? The Chicago, the art ensemble of Chicago and some of those things. Like it definitely feels like it comes from that tradition a little bit and it would make sense uh, geographically and everything, but. Yeah, definitely very cool. What's uh what what else? Um I saw <laughs> randomly happened upon this album Nickel Creek or no, that's the that's not the album. That's the name of the group Nickel Creek. Yeah. With I believe Chris Thiele, Sarah Watkins and I want to say her older brother is his name George Watkins or something like that. Watkins siblings plus Chris Dealey, and I think this guy Mike on bass, Mike Elizondo, Elizondo. I'm so sorry. I'm going off the top of my head. But 
it's um kind of like this bluegrassy situation happening, but it's so good. I don't know. I the I it's an I it's a bluegrass. great album. It's like an album, 18 songs, one hour. Yeah. You know, it's wow. an album. Wow. And I was like so excited to hear mandolin. Anyways, um Oh, I love mandolin. And I don't know, I've been really digging like this bluegrass situation, like with um especially them. It's kind of like this, it's the changes are great. Like in some of the tunes, sometimes it's like more pop, like bluegrassy oriented. And then other times it's kind of like chamber music vibes. And then other times they have this like great, like chords that are, you just like, Whoa, really? Like <laughs> right now that's the chord that you're choosing. Um, which is, it's so tasteful, but it's one of those things where, and it's in the perfect time because the weather is changing and it's great if you want to go on a nice walk and listen to, I didn't even say the name of the record. The name of the record is Celebrants. So, like celebrate, but like Celebrants. And it's their first record in like nine years. Wow. So go check it out. Very yeah, Chris, Chris Teeley is awesome. Uh, Chris Teeley of uh, Goat, Goat Rodeo. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that thing, and then of uh, Punch Brothers, right? So like the I I've I'm much more familiar with the Punch Brothers. Like the Nickel Creek thing was kind of I think a little bit before Punch Brothers or something. In in yeah. that, so I haven't listened to them as much. But this feels like I was kind of like, well, I don't know. I really like the Punch Brothers better than Nickel Creek, but this has like all the Punch Brothers energy. Um, I think you know it's like the the Chris Teeley like compositional thing is. Yeah. Uh, is pretty amazing. Strong, yeah. Force mm-hmm. is strong with this one. Um, there's almost yes. stuff he does is like not not worth spending some time or money on. Uh, the last the last album <laughs> to speak that we want to highlight is um, from a trio of. So this I came upon this because of uh, Vijay Iyer, the the jazz pianists and. Uh, real smarty pants um, fella, <laughs> um, but uh, but this is a trio album with uh, Aruj Aftab, Shahzad Ishmaili, um, th- who are both kind of from Pakistani or Pakistan origins. The two of them, um, Aruj is uh, Aftab is a vocalist, um, uh, born to Pakistani parents. Um, who expatriated to Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, Aftab moved to the United States at the age of 19 in 2005 and earned an, a degree in music production and engineering at Boston's Berkeley College of Music. <gasps> okay. Uh, later moved to New York in 2010 and began working as an editor and scoring films. After, But, but um, she's kind of known as being part of the city's jazz and new music scene so that was like that's what i found from the internet <laughs> about her what's interesting about Sh- shazad ishmaili is um is that like i think they're he's kind of doing a bunch of different kinds of things on this including like electronics and everything but he holds a master's degree master's degree in biochemistry from arizona state oh my gosh and what's also interesting about uh vijay that i knew some of this but so like um, he's really well known right now for winning um, uh, winning a bunch of like downbeat polls in the, in in the last uh, in the last few years, but also winning a MacArthur like Genius Grant in 2013. That's like where he like 
that was really his big coming kind of coming out party. Um, right now he runs, uh, he runs the program at Harvard, uh, that our good friend, uh, Fabian Almazan is, is actually doing right now. But, um, yeah, it's, I didn't know some of what he, he did. He, after completing a BS degree in mathematics and physics at Yale, um, he attended University of California, Berkeley, where he obtained a master's degree and initially pursued a doctorate <laughs> in physics. Are you serious? And then like, and then kind of dropped out of the physics department, but then kind of did a, did an interdisciplinary PhD program in technology and the arts, focusing on music cognition. His 1998 dissertation is titled Microstructures of Feel, Macrostructures of Sound, Embodied Cognition, West African and African American Musics. Um, oh so obviously like he's like, a, he's a smarty pants. I've seen him play a couple of times. Um, he definitely has his own kind of like, um, his own approach to, to playing the piano and improvising and all that kind of stuff. It's, I don't even know if, I, I don't even know if some people would define it as jazz, you know, it's kind of this, it's kind of this, it's, it's this own, his own thing. It maybe is like the, this is one of the nicest things someone could say about you, but um, at least in my book. But yeah, the so this album is the three of them. It's very atmospheric. There's, um, you know, there's a lot of the singing is coming from this kind of, you know, Pakistani Saudi Arabia that kind of that kind of tradition of singing. And there's a lot of like uh, um, there's acoustic piano, but then there's like a lot of other sort of instrumentation happening. That's like much maybe maybe harder to put your finger on or define. And then there's like a lot of like, um, a lot of, uh, you know, digital music, sort of like electronic sort of um, things happening in it. So it's very cool. It's very moody and stuff too. And again, this is going to be like for a very specific audience. So it's like, there are going to be some people that listen to this and I think that's okay. And and they're going to say like, my thing is Nickel Creek. Everything else was really weird. And then they're going to people be like, <laughs> I really loved this, like the Vijay thing and like the Nickel Creek thing was like very square and, uh, and whatever. But, um, but yeah, those, those are definitely some things checking to check out. We, we were talking earlier that it's like, this is the season for new music. Yep. Um, things, things are popping. So it's hard. It's actually hard to kind of like limit it to three, three things, but those are three things to check out. At least Ooh. to kind of get started. Check it, check it, check it, check it. Take a, take a, take a, take a chance, take a chance, take a, take a chance. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Yes. Take a chance on me. Is that the same um, Our extra credit this week was uh, Tears from tears for Fears. So there, <laughs> there was this, like, there's this picture of, like, the different perceived fear. It was, like, the perceived fear, fear, fear scale. And there's, like, from one to ten. And then there was different tiers of, like, slight discomfort all the way to loss of fine motor control, various physical dysfunction. Like, how, <laughs> how scared you are. Um, and, uh, and someone wrote, you're saying there are tears for fears? <laughs> Thank you for the pity laugh there for the dad joke. But anyways, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was our extra credit this week. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's the newsletter. Uh, Amy, do you want to read us out? I would love to read us out. Thank you, everyone, for supporting for our music and for listening this week. Um, please remember to like and subscribe and make sure you leave us a review. We love that. It helps us out a lot. Um, for more, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. At Foray Music, subscribe to our newsletter at forraymusic.substack.com 
and check out our website at foraymusic.com. And Alex, what's our uh, what's our quote this week? A dime a dozen. John, John Legend. Legend. <laughs> John Legend. He's got a lot of dimes. I love the podcast oh, yeah. last week where it's like you had to explain to the our guests on the podcast like what that what was even happening. We didn't do it ahead. No, like at first she was like, "Wow, John Legend said that. That's kind of weird." I thought, <laughs> I thought that was just like a saying. It was like, there was a yeah. moment I was kind of panicking. <laughs> I was like, "Wait." <laughs> oh, okay, man. We, we think you're super. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>